Greetings, friends and brethren. This is Dr. Bob Teal for the Continuing Church of God. Let's talk about Christmas. Many people who profess Christ celebrate a holiday that uh, they call Christmas, or Mass of Christ, uh, from a Roman Catholic term, on December 25th. Now, most people know that this was not possible, or it was not the date that uh, Jesus was born. Yet, Sometimes people come up with explanations or arguments as to why this is a good thing to do or why they think Jesus could have been born at that time. I'm going to go through some scriptures, some historical records, uh, look at some things that uh, Greco-Roman Protestant scholars have accepted, yet despite all this, uh, they still want to endorse something that's simply not endorsed in the Bible. Now, if you've got your Bible, you might want to follow along. Um, I'm going to read uh, Jude. Uh, it's only got one chapter. Uh, the third verse. I'm going to read it from two different translations. First, the one that I usually do, which is from the New King James Version of the Bible. Contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. So you're supposed to go for the original faith. And when you talk to people about Christmas sometimes, it's like, yeah, well, we know it wasn't part of the original church, but you know, it's, we like it, Jesus' name is mentioned, therefore this is good. It doesn't really matter where it came from. Um, now I'd like to read the same verse, except this time from a Roman Catholic translation of the Bible. Uh, their version is called the New Jerusalem Bible. Same verse, but they render it slightly different. Fight hard for the faith which has been once and for all entrusted to God's holy people. Fight hard for the faith which has been once and for all entrusted to God's holy people. Well, when Jude wrote that, were Christians keeping Christmas? No. Were they celebrating birthdays? No. Did they think Jesus was born December 25th? No. It's simply not part of the original faith. And I'm going to read some things from a... Uh, a Roman Catholic supporter, at least he was for a while, and he's actually considered to be the father of Latin theology. That's a Roman Catholic term for him. His name is Tertullian. And he wrote in the late 2nd century, early 3rd uh, century, and he's considered to be one of the greatest, greatest early historians, according to uh, the Catholic Encyclopedia. And he talked about a holiday called Saturnalia, which fell in late December every year. Why did it fall there? Well, basically it had to do with having the shortest day of the year in the uh, northern uh, uh, northern hemisphere, the upper portion, everything north of the equator. And so it was basically a celebration of the sun, and there's various other things associated with it. And basically it was, okay, the sun is basically dying and we're reborn and we'll celebrate the rebirth because the days start getting longer. And usually the days started getting longer around the 22nd, 23rd or so, uh, with uh, December 25th, one of their primary days. Well, anyway, Tertullian wrote about these things, these celebrations that were going on at the time. And this is a little, a little bit technical, but... Uh, Bear with me as I uh, read through some of this. The Minervalia are as much as Minervas as the Saturnalias, 
Saturn. What does that mean? Basically, so those who celebrate uh, Minervalia are, are basically worshiping the, this false, this pagan uh, idol, Minerva. And just like he says, those who celebrate Saturnalia are actually worshiping the pagan idol of Saturn. And, and he says, Saturn must necessarily be celebrated by even by little slaves at the time of Saturnalia. And New Year's gifts, likewise, must be be caught at, and uh, the septimonium kept, and all the presents of the midwinter in the festival of the dear kinship must be exacted. You must put wreaths around the schools with flowers. Have you noticed that wreaths are commonly used uh, in uh, societies that celebrate Christmas? And the school has this honored on this holy day. The same thing takes place on an idol's birthday. And every pomp of the devil is frequented. Who will think that these things are befitting to a Christian master unless it be he who shall think them suitable likewise to one who is not the master? So he was concerned about these particular days and saying that people were keeping them and he was opposed to it. And furthermore, you say, well, what's it got to do with Christians? Well, he, his type of Christian, the Greco-Roman types, were starting to keep it. He says, here's what he wrote. This is his, uh, in his book called uh, On Idolatry. So it was the other part. This is from chapter 14. But however, the majority of, and uh, he's talking about Greco-Romans uh, who profess Christ, have by this time induced the belief in their mind that it's pardonable if any time they do what the heathen do for fear that the name be blasphemed. So they're afraid if they don't act like heathen, the heathen will say, uh, well, what kind of, that's a bad, Christian religion is a bad religion because it doesn't keep Saturnalia. Okay? And now Tertullian goes on and says, well, you know, to live with the heathen is lawful, but to die with them is not. Let us live with all, let us be glad with them out of community of nature, but not out of superstition. He, he wrote, We're peers in soul, but not in discipline. Fellow possessors of the world, but not of error. But we have no right of communion in matters of this kind with strangers. How far more wicked to celebrate among the heathen for the brethren to celebrate these. Who can maintain or defend this? But he says, by us, and he means uh, those in uh, Alexandria, Egypt, and in Rome. The Saturnalia, New Year's, and Midwinter festivals are frequented. Presents come and go. See, I don't think this idea of presents uh, at December 25th is really just because the Magi, the wise men, the magicians, who came uh, came from the East, gave Jesus uh parents some presents for him and this is where this idea of giving gifts back and forth in the middle of winter came from no it doesn't and Tertullian's complaining about that New Year's gifts games join their noise banquets join their din he says you know the heathen are basically better in that, that they'll keep their pagan holidays but they won't keep the biblical ones so why those of us who might keep some of the biblical ones, why should we keep the pagan ones? That's basically what Tertullian was saying. Now, 
Tertullian was not keeping all the biblical holy days. And I'm going to hold up this book a few times. This is a book we have to keep God's holy days or demonic holidays. Uh, but at least to some degree, the Greco-Romans at that time were trying to keep Passover, trying to keep uh, Pentecost. Uh, you know, in Passover, they got the day wrong after by this time. But he says, you know, the, the heathen don't keep their days, uh, so why should uh, Greco-Romans keep the heathen days? He says, oh, yeah, this is, yeah, this is the Pentecost. Even if they had known it, they wouldn't have shared it with us. For their, he said, they wouldn't keep Pentecost with us because if they did, people say, oh, maybe you're a Christian. But you must be a Christian because you're keeping Pentecost. So Tertullian is saying, look, that's like you keeping Saturnalia, which shows you you're not a Christian, that you're a pagan. He said the pagans won't keep Pentecost because they're afraid to be called Christians, so Christians shouldn't keep Saturnalia because really they're acting like the pagans. Now, I mentioned that Tertullian referred to uh, the fact that some people kept Saturnalia lest the name be blasphemed. Now, I want to comment that at Tertullian's time, around 200 AD, maybe a little later, they were not claiming this was the date of Jesus' birth. They just thought this is a big party, you got something to do, everybody in the neighborhood's doing it, they didn't want to feel be left out, they want their kids or the families to look bad, so they went out and they celebrated. It was not called Christmas then. They didn't that came later. We'll get to that later. Now, anyway, I'll read from First uh, Timothy uh, six, verse one. It says, "Let as many bond servants who are under the yoke of their own masters, worthy of all honor, count them worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and His doctrine may not be blasphemed." Now, that's the scripture. Tertullian says they're saying that's their justification for keeping the pagan Saturnalia holiday, and he said that's ridiculous. Um, and I'd like to read this also from a Roman Catholic translation. This time I'm going to use the, uh, the Shalinar version of the Dewey Rames. Whosoever are servants under the yoke, let them count their masters worthy of all honor, lest the name of the Lord and his doctrine be blasphemed. In other words, what this is saying is not you go out and join heathen celebrations and worship as the pagans worship. What is this saying? It's saying, look, if you're a believer and you're working for somebody who's not, don't act like they're just horrible pagans. They may, 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 might be horrible pagans, but do your job correctly. Don't think, well, he's, he, he or she's a pagan, so I don't have to do my job right. No, you're supposed to work. The Old Testament says in the book of Ecclesiastes, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. And if you're working for somebody, you're supposed to do your job correctly, even if they are not true believers. And most of us have rarely worked for true believers. Most of the time, most of us have jobs, uh, uh, work for uh, unbelievers. And even those of us who are self-employed, most of the time, if not almost all the time, uh, our customers are also not true, true believers. So we aren't supposed to treat them badly if, you, if you're self-employed. You're not supposed to treat the worldly customers bad because they're, they're not believers. And that's what this is talking about. It is not an excuse 
to violate God's law or to worship, specifically in this case, to worship as a heathen. But that's what people will do. What I've seen with December 25th celebrations is people say, yeah, well, we know the Bible says this or that, the other thing, and Jesus wasn't born then. Matter of fact, uh, a few nights ago, I had a conversation with uh, somebody on that uh, line. He's like, yeah, well, yeah, we know Jesus wasn't born then, but we still do we're going to celebrate Christmas and we're going to go see our relatives uh, and blah, 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 blah. And so a lot of people know, but they make excuses anyway. And in this case, in Tertullian's time, people were making excuses and trying to say Scripture justifies it. Scripture wants us to keep pagan holidays with the pagans. Pagan holidays? No. We're supposed to keep God's holy days. Now, I'd like to go to Second uh, uh, Peter. Second uh, Peter chapter uh, 1. And although in my notes I have it both in the uh, New King James and the Dewey Rames, I'll read the Catholic version. Which is the Dewey Rames. But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there shall be among you lying teachers. And it would be a lying teacher that said, we don't want the word of God to be blaspheming, so we'll keep pagan holidays. Who shall bring in sects of perdition and deny the Lord who brought them, bring them upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their righteousness, not righteousness, righteousness, through whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness, they shall with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgments now are long time lingereth not, and their perdition, perdition slumbers not. So what this is saying is, because people will say, you know, I really like to fit in. I don't want to stick out. Yeah, well, this is a good thing. We'll just, we'll just go along with paganism. And that's sadly what uh, uh, the Greco-Roman Protestant world has done to a great degree. Um, now, as far as the Protestant world goes, I'm aware that uh, Protestants like to claim that their doctrine is completely based upon the Bible. But if it was, you can read this book from Genesis to Revelation, and you will not find the date of Jesus' birth, nor any instructions in order to celebrate it. If God wanted Jesus' birth to be celebrated as a massive or major Christian holy day or holiday, don't you think God would have inspired somebody to say in this book, you are to keep it the day of my son's birth or to observe it or something along that line and make it clearer to the precise day that it was? But God didn't do that. So when the Protestants are celebrating uh, uh, Christmas. They didn't get this from the Bible. Uh, we have a book, by the way, a fairly thick book, called Hope of Salvation, How the Continuing Church of God Differs from Protestantism. And if you're Protestant, and uh, there's more on Holy Days in this particular book, but if you're Protestant, and you really do hope that you believe the Bible, and your doctrines and traditions are based on it, I urge you to read this book and to study it. Check it out. See if the references are correct. See if the scriptures are correct. Because you're going to find that most of what 
gets by as Protestantism is not really based upon the Bible. And that includes things such as the celebration of Christmas. And we'll get more of Christmas in a little bit. Now, I was talking about this guy named Tertullian. And yeah, I do talk about church history a lot. But why do I do that? Well, I read from Jude, we're supposed to contend earnestly for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. Now I'm holding up another booklet that we have, Continuing History of the Church of God. Most people overlook the truth about church history. And if they overlook the truth about church history, they do not understand that, let's say, traditions they think are from the Bible and doctrines they think they're from the Bible, which aren't, they just don't, they don't know the difference. Now, I should probably comment, okay, that this book and any other books I hold up are available at the www.ccog.org website. That's ccog.org. Go to the literature tab under books and booklets, and you can just click on these and read them. They're free. We don't ask you for your email. You don't get bombarded by anything from us. You read it as you, as you, as you wish. Now, I have taken classes and listened to many lectures from uh, Protestants and former Protestants on church history. And let me tell you that they overlook many aspects of church history. Uh, I haven't heard these quotes from Tertullian in any of the classes or lectures that I listened to or any of the courses that I took, including graduate theological course from uh, Fuller Theological Seminary, uh, some stuff taught at the uh, University of uh, North Carolina, Chapel Hill, and uh, uh, one or two other uh, schools that I had some uh, listen to lectures related to history on. And you might ask yourself, well, why wouldn't they quote this? Because it goes against what they teach. Uh, they would point out the fact that people were complaining that people were starting to greatly deviate in many ways from the faith once for all delivered to the saints. Now, anyway, getting back to Tertullian, he cites the scripture about let your light shine, or let your work shine, and here's what he writes. But let your work shine, says he, but now all our shops and gates shine. You will nowadays find more doors of heathen without lamps and laurel wreaths than of Christians. So he was saying, look, the professors of Christ want to fit in so much, they're going beyond what the typical heathen idol worshiper does. Because they don't all have lights and wreaths on their houses, but apparently uh, in Tertullian's area, which had been Alexandria, Egypt, they apparently did. What does the case seem to be with regard to that also? If it's in an idol's honor, without doubt, an idol's honor is idolatry. If it's for man's sake, let us consider that all idolatry is for man's sake. Let us consider that all idolatry is worship done to men. Since it's generally agreed among their worshipers that aforetime the gods themselves and nations were men. So it makes no difference between that superstitious homage be rendered to me of a former age or of this. Idolatry is condemned not on the account of the person which set up for, the, for worship, but on account of those its observances, which pertains to demons. So what Tertullian is saying is, when you are doing demonic holidays, you're 
worshiping demons. As a matter of fact, that's why the subtitle is this, Should You Keep God's Holy Days or Demonic Holidays. So Tertullian realized this. And so he was complaining about, you know, uh, reason, lights, etc. And, by the way, even the Catholic Encyclopedia says these things had pre-Christian origins. In other words, they were pagan. Uh, but they were in widespread use by the time of uh, uh, Bishop uh, of Constantinople, John Chrysostom, who was an anti-Holy Day person. And uh, so here's a, some, I'm going to read something from uh, the Catholic Encyclopedia under Garland, G-A-R-L-A-N-D, in 1909. A wreath of flowers or evergreens formerly used in connection with baptismal, nuptial, funeral rites, as well as solemn processions. The bridal crown or wreath is said to be of pre-Christian Greek origin. In other words, those who are worshipping the Greek gods. Adopted later by the Romans. Tertullian refers to it as a sign of paganism. But this prejudice was afterwards set aside and was in common use among Christians by the time of St. John Chrysostom. So in other words, the, the Catholic Encyclopedia is saying, yeah, we know it comes from paganism, pre-Christian origin, and Tertullian called it pagan around the start of the 3rd century. But by the end of the 4th century, the Greco-Roman types those who went along with uh, Alexandria, such as John Chrysostom over in uh, uh, Constantinople, they've all adopted this. Therefore, we set aside, we don't really want to consider it pagan anymore. But was it part of the original faith? No, it was not. The Roman Catholics know that. Their scholars know that. But a lot of lay people don't know it. A lot of Protestants don't know it either. So I'd like to read something uh, from uh, uh, a news item. And it says, Roman Christmases were similar to ours. The Romans celebrated the winter festival, the Sigillaria, on the 23rd of December, part of their Saturnalia festivities. Just like Christmas Day, Sigillaria saw presents exchanged. Saturnalia began in the very early history of Rome. It was a festival devoted to the, to the god Saturn. And I'm reading from the secular source. The popularity of Saturnalia continued into the 3rd and 4th centuries until it was supplanted by the Christian festival of Christmas. Of course, I do not consider that Christmas is a Christian festival. I say that people who profess Christ have adopted, have adopted a pagan festival, changed the name to try to claim it's Christian, but that didn't make it Christian. And let me continue reading here. Just like our festive season, it seems the whole of Rome geared up early for Sigleria, Seneca noted. It is now the month of December, Seneca is an ancient historian. When the greatest part of the city is in a bustle, loose reins are given in to public dissipation. Everywhere you may hear the sound of great preparations. In other words, loose reins meaning, yeah, they're not 
dealing with drunk and disorderly so much, they'll just put up with the government will t- tend to put up with it. Now, you know, a lot of people claim that Jesus is the reason for the season. That's what they say over and over again. I've heard it, I don't know how many times, you probably have heard it numerous times as well, particularly if you speak English and live in a Western society. Now, those who professed Christ and started to observe these pagan holidays didn't even attempt to pretend they were celebrating Christmas. That term didn't happen until centuries later. The initial reason for the season appears to be that many of those who at least somewhat professed Christ wanted to have a party, they wanted to get along, and they didn't care if the party was to the pagan gods. So no true Christian really should have done that, but there were people who were compromised and then they did it. Now, the Catholic Encyclopedia mentioned John Chrysostom. Now, I want to read, and said, you know, by his time, everybody was taking, accepting wreaths. But I want to read something from him. And what, pray you, is that Minerva of theirs, and Apollo and Juno, they are different kinds of demons among them. You notice he mentioned Minerva, whose celebration was around the same time December, or similar. He's talking about you're not supposed to do pagan celebrations. But he, was, he adopted one and picked it up by that time. Now I'd like to read something from the venerable, Roman Catholic term, Caesar Baronius uh, in something he wrote in the 16th century. If the candles which were formerly distributed at the Saturnalia are now identified with the Feast of Purification of Our Lady, what I ask you is they're so surprising if holy bishops have allowed certain customs firmly rooted among pagan peoples and so tenuously, tenaciously adhered by them that even after their conversion to Christianity that they could not be induced to surrender them to be transferred to the worship of the true God. So, in this society of the Catholic Encyclopedia. So basically what he's saying is, you know, we have, we in the Church of Rome have Saturnalia stuff associated with purification of uh, their their lady, of, of the, they call Mary. And it, he said it was okay for holy bishops to have converted people keep, keep on to what they were doing, which should tell them that these people were not truly converted. Jesus said only those who are willing to forsake all are worthy to be his disciples. Jesus said that if you won't forsake father or mother or brothers or sisters, you're not worthy of him. And it uh, a person's uh, enemies will be of his own household. So let's say you're being called or have been called or were called to be a true Christian. And I'll look for something as I start to say that. And are you supposed to say, well, it's okay to not change and to keep what I used to have in the past because I'm comfortable with that and I want to keep going that route. I mean, that's basically what the Church of Rome was writing uh, along those lines. And so, we've got a book, by the way, in case God might be calling you, is God calling you? To give you more information uh, on whether or not God's calling you. And if God's calling you, you should live as a Christian. We have a booklet on that as well. Again, all the books, booklets that I hold up are available free at the ccog.org website.
Now, despite the fact that they said that uh, it was okay for so-called holy bishops to incorporate or to allow or to bless, if you will, pagan observances, demonic ones, I'd like to read something from the original uh, uh, Rames New Testament. This is from uh, 2 Corinthians 6, starting in verse uh, 15. And what agreement has Christ with Belial, or the devil? And what part has the faithful with the infidel? Again, this is from the original Dewey Rames. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? So we're not supposed, even a Roman Catholic translation in the English of the Scripture tells us you're not supposed to be involved with idols. That's what the Apostle Paul was inspired to write. Was the Apostle Paul wrong? No! He says, for you're the temple of the living God, as God says. Then I will dwell and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. For which cause? Go out of the midst of them, and separate yourselves, says the Lord. Okay, we're supposed to separate ourselves according to this translation. And by the way, if you're a Protestant, you can look this up. And Protestant translations, like the New King James or the Old King James, it tells you the same thing. It doesn't say, you know, if people in your culture really like to do these pagan things, it would be a great thing to do. We should just all keep doing this because the pagans will like us better because we act more like them. So this is a good thing. No. That's not what the Apostle Paul was inspired to write. Anyway, separate yourself, says our Lord, and touch not the unclean, and I will receive you. So notice, God is saying... If you want to be received by him, don't even don't touch the don't touch the, don't become involved in paganism, idol worship. Don't touch it. Don't be part of it. But they don't uh, want to accept that. And there are also, by the way, a lot of unclean practices associated with idols, including the consumption of unclean meat. Uh, it's sad but true. A lot of people traditionally will have uh, either an Easter ham or a Christmas ham. Um, and one of the reasons they do this, by the way, was to uh, turn off the, uh, the Jews, uh, as well as to be offensive to the original Christians, because the original Christians did not eat biblically unclean meat. But notice the Bible says to avoid the unclean. It's kind of interesting, throughout the New Testament, frequently this idea about avoiding the unclean comes up, yet the Church of Rome says around 180, 185 or so, uh, their pope slash bishop, because he wasn't really, technically they weren't called popes then. Bishop Eleutherus decided that uh, all food, all animals should be eaten. Which, by the way, tells you, if you read the Roman Catholic writings, that means that for the first 150, 160 years after Jesus was resurrected, even the Roman Catholic types didn't think they were supposed to eat biblically unclean meat. Okay, it's another uh, deviation from the original faith once for all delivered the saints. And again, I'll hold this one up again because it goes more into that as well. Yet we've got a society who claims, at least part of a society, 
maybe a third of it, four to half of it, depends, who claims to have some type of biblical connections and some type of connections to the name of Christ, uh, and I know sometimes they profess up to 80, 70%, whatever it is, but the reality is when it comes down to it, they're more comfortable with traditions, pagan things, that they just were not part of the original faith. Now, the Roman Saturnalia and Persian Mithraism were adaptations of uh, earlier pagan religion, essentially the ancient Babylon uh, mystery cult. Now, the Babylonians actually celebrated the reborn uh, Nimrod, excuse me, as the newborn Tammuz by worshiping an evergreen tree. So this goes back a long time ago, way before Jesus, uh, over a thousand years before Jesus. And the Babylonians also celebrated this rebirth during the time of the winter solstice, which is usually December 21st, 22nd, depending on the, the year and if it's a leap year and that kind of stuff. And Jeremiah condemns Israel for copying this type of paganism and uh, Christmas trees in Jeremiah 10, which you probably read before, verse uh, 2 through 4, as well as an evergreen tree in Jeremiah 3.13. Now, to take this step further, I want to mention that the God of the Bible condemned using trees as part of his worship thousands of years ago. Now, let's go to... Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 12. The last couple of years, when I've been doing a Christmas sermon, I've gone through a list of like 25 reasons of you know, I don't celebrate Christmas. But, and I'm not planning, I'm, I'm not intending to do that today. And we have an article at the cogwriter.com website, and it, it has that list on there. So it's got of other reasons that I'm going to go into. But today, I just want to talk about the Bible and early practices of Christians and the fact that the Bible says not to do this kind of stuff. Because no matter what the truth is, there's so many people that are going to want to keep it no matter what. And I'm hoping to focus on just a few points that hopefully <clears throat> we totally <clears throat> clear to you why anybody who professes Christ wouldn't feel that they should celebrate Christmas and Jesus' birth on December 25th. Alright, getting to Deuteronomy. I'm going to read this from the New Jerusalem Bible. It's a Roman Catholic translation. You must completely destroy all the places where the nations you dispossess have served their gods. On the high mountains, on hills, under any spreading tree, like evergreen trees, you must tear down their altars, smash their sacred stones, burn their sacred poles, hack to bits the statues of their gods, and obliterate their name from that place. Uh, in the uh, Dewey Rames, by the way, it also says to burn, you know, burn their groves with fire to get rid of the, tre the, the trees they're using. Now, as far as Dewey Rames goes, if you're in Deuteronomy, I want to go to uh, chapter 11, so page over, verse 16. Beware lest your heart be deceived and you depart from our Lord and serve strange gods and adore them. Now, 
I grew up in a Roman Catholic household. I did not have uh, massive negative experiences at Christmas. Okay, uh, I'm not here to saying you shouldn't keep Christmas because I had some kind of bad experience. Because I actually I can't remember any particularly bad ones, and I'll get to that in just a second. But we we brought trees into our house uh, every year um, for a while. Then after a while, we bought an artificial one. But I remember helping my uh, mother decorate it a, a few times, or maybe more than that. And I thought it looked pretty, and I thought it looked nice, and I had no problem with it, and I just thought that's the way you're supposed to do things. You say, well, if there's no problem with it, then what's the problem now? Well, the problem now is at that time I hadn't read the Bible, hadn't looked into church history, I hadn't looked at the practices of early Christians to realize that God, the God of the Bible, doesn't want us to do this. So even though the Church of Rome... Uh, and many in Alexandria, which essentially became what we call Eastern Orthodox, uh, were willing to compromise and to keep Saturnalia and whatever, and eventually uh, Christmas. That doesn't mean it was right. It meant that, yeah, they had strong ties. Well, I had reasonable ties to it as well. But the Bible tells Christians to repent and to be separate from the world and from its idolatry. And those who um, are keeping Christmas are not sufficiently separating from, from that. Uh, let's go, if you're in Deuteronomy, let's go to Deuteronomy 18, this time verse 9. When you come into the land, oh, this is Dewey Rames, which the Lord your God shall give you, beware lest you have a mind to imitate the abominations of those nations. So when you're in these lands where you've got the heathen and people doing idolatry and stuff, don't look and see, well, let's see, what do they have? Oh, they have wreaths. Oh, we should do that. Oh, they've got a tree and they decorate the tree and they put lights on the tree. They put candles on the tree. Oh, and they put presents under the tree. Wow, what a great idea. Now, I don't know when they started putting presents on the tree, all right? But I do know they were uh, using trees, and I do know that they were passing presents uh, in late December, okay? It doesn't say, you know, you can get some great ideas from the pagans on how to worship God and how to have one of your biggest holidays. You look, Christmas is the biggest commercial holiday in the world. It's big. It's huge. But that's not a reason for Christians to keep it. Saturnalia was huge too. At least in that area. But we are supposed to keep the heathen days. Or practice heathen ways. Anyway, getting back to Deuteronomy 18. Let's go to verse 12. For the Lord abhors all these things. And for these abominations he will destroy them at, at his coming. But you, a lot of people say, it doesn't really matter. It's okay if it was pagan, because God knows my heart. And yes, God knows whether or not you're willing to obey him or, or not. You know, Jesus said, and I'll read this in the New Jerusalem Bible. This is read John 4, verse 24. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. 
And the truth is, Jesus wasn't born December 25th. The Bible says don't use uh, shady trees, evergreen trees, whatever. The truth is that Christmas reminds us that people are often unwilling to worship God as God intended. But instead, they often prefer pagan substitutes. And they rationalize it. They act and pretend like this is just totally fine. But again, Jesus said, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And this is not in spirit and truth. Now, some people think uh, Christmas caroling is a great thing. Uh, talks about Jesus and whatever. And, and actually, when I was a, uh, young, growing up, I used to uh, do Christmas carols. Actually, one of the ways I raised the most money that time of year, I'd go around with my brothers, and I, I used to be able to sing. Um, I make I, I try to make a joyful noise now, but I don't really sing good. I was actually fairly decent up until, I don't know, maybe I was 13 or 14, whenever it was. But I'd like to read something about uh, uh, Christmas caroling, about its origins in Saturnalia. And so, in ancient Babylon, the feast of of the son of Isis, the goddess of nature, was celebrated on December 25th. Raucous partying, gluttonous eating, and drinking and gift-giving were traditions of this feast. So it wasn't just the Saturnalia. In Rome, the winter solstice was celebrated many years before the birth of Christ. The Romans called their winter holiday Saturnalia, honoring, should be honoring the god Saturn, the god of agriculture. In January, they observed the calends of January, which represented the triumph of life over death. This whole season was called Dies Natalis Invictus Solus, uh, or in other words, the birthday of the unconquered sun. Yes, this all has to do with sun god worship. Here we get back to the article. The festival season was marked by much merrymaking. It's interesting they use the term Merry Christmas. Uh, in, it's in ancient Rome the tradition of the mummers was born. The mummers were groups of costume singers and dancers who traveled from house to house entertaining their neighbors. From this, the Christian tradition of caroling was born. Now, my brothers and I would go Christmas caroling, or myself and some friends occasionally. We did not dress up fancy or any particular way. Actually, in December, uh, and I was, would have been doing this in uh, uh, Detroit, Michigan, uh, it's actually very cold, so we'd be bundled up wearing you know, winter coats and hats and stuff like that. Anyway, so it was, again, this says, is from, from the, this, the caroling was born. In Northern Europe, many other traditions that we now consider part of Christian worship were begun long before participants had ever heard of Christ. The pagans of Northern Europe celebrated their own winter solstice, uh, known as the Yule, and the Yule was a symbol of the pagan sun god Mithras being born. And speaking of that, I've noticed uh, the last uh, couple of weeks, I guess, uh, we have a satellite dish, a small satellite dish. And if you go to the, the guide of it, uh, like, like a TV guide, they have something called Yule Log. And I haven't clicked on it, but it's been there for weeks and it's like non-stop, I guess you can see a Yule log burning. And apparently they think this is a big deal and people should do this. Apparently people must do this or they wouldn't have, it seems like a whole channel is devoted to this. Uh, but it's all got to do with a symbol of the sun god. Not the son of God, 
but the pagan sun god. Well, since I'm talking about Yuletide, and I have mentioned this before, now the 12 days of Christmas originally came from the 12 days of uh, Yuletide, which began at sunset on December 20th, uh, which was known as Mother Night, and it ended on the night of uh, December 31st, called the Night of the Oak King, and the Roman day of uh, Hecat. And these dates were later moved by those who kept Christmas. So let me read uh, something uh, from uh, Nordic, Wit Nordic Wiccan. Nordic Wiccan. What is Wiccan? To do with witchcraft. Okay, this is what they say. Yuletide is perhaps the greatest of all heathen holidays. It's a time of celebration and close family contact. That's exactly what people who keep Christmas say. That last 12 days and nights, each of which can be viewed as a month of the preceding year in miniature. Now, not all of Professor Christ uh, keep uh, the 12 days of Christmas, but there's a song about that and people sing about it. Anyway, many of the customs associated with Christmas actually began from the heathen Yule rites and customs. Many gods and goddesses are honored during Yuletide. But not the God of the Bible. Not, the son, not truly the Son of God. And most uh, Asatur believe that they, as well as the spirits of the earth and our ancestors, all join us for the celebration. All are kith and kin, after all. So in other words, he's the, he, the witches teach that the heathen dead come up and the, their, their spirits are with them. Well, Bible says they're dead and they're in their graves, so any spirits that come up with them would be demonic. There are many traditions and practices that are traditional to the month of Yule. The most well-known, of course, the 12 days of Yule, or the 12 days of Christmas. Some heathens may simply bookend Yule with Mother Night and the 12th night and not have specific observances in between these days. And that's kind of similar to how most people keep Christmas do. There are some other heathens who've taken a step further, pulling inspiration from the nine noble virtues, is not from the Bible, and combining it with the candle-lighting ceremonies like Hanukkah or Kwanzaa, another made-up holiday, they've come up with a reason to light a candle every night during Yuletide. The altar on Yule should face the north. The area is decorated with holly and mistletoe. Okay. Now, I grew up in a Roman Catholic household, and we... I, Parents had holly mistletoe on Christmas, and it was up in our house. And dried leaves and fruit, such as hips and haw, a chalice of appropriate wine, mead, or cider. Now, we didn't do that at our house. And then they talk about uh, the oak or pine log is set up with 13 greens, excuse me, 13 green, white, and red candles decorated with carvings and symbols is placed centrally on the altar. Uh, but now what we tend to see is that, uh, this idea about just burning a Yule log. But faithful early Christians were not keeping these 12 days of Yuletide. Now I'd like to read something here from the book of uh, Luke. So you might want to follow along. I'm going to read from the uh, New Jerusalem Bible, which is a Roman Catholic translation that 
uses somewhat fairly modern English. Uh, so I'm going to start with verse 1 of Luke chapter 2. Now it happened at this time Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be made for the whole inhabited world. This census, the first, took place while Quirinius, Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to be registered, each to his own home. So Joseph set forth out from the town of Nazareth in Galilee for Judea, to David's town called Bethlehem, since he was of David's house and line, in order to be registered together with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Now it happened when they were there, the time came for her to have her child, and she gave birth to the son, her firstborn. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the living space. In the countryside close by, there were shepherds out in the field keeping guard over their sheep during the watches of the night. An angel of the Lord stood over, and the glory of the Lord shone over them, around them. Now they were terrified, but the angel said, Don't be afraid. Look, I bring you news of great joy, a joy to be shared by the whole people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's Christ the Lord. Now yes, there's joy that Jesus came, but, but he did not come part of a midwinter celebration. He is Christ the Lord. Here's a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And at all, all at once, the angels was there was the great throng of the hosts of heaven, praising God with the words, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace for those he favors. Now it happened when the angels had gone from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Hey, let's go to Bethlehem and see this event which God, the Lord has made known to us. So they hurried away and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. When they saw the child, they repeated what had been told about them, and everyone who heard was astonished at what the shepherds said to them. So we see that the shepherds were out all night then, the time of uh, Jesus' birth. And that's biblical evidence, by the way, that it could, Jesus would not have been born in December for a couple reasons. And one is the idea of the shepherds being out at night. They, by December, they weren't doing that uh, every year. And the other is to talk about the census. We've talked about the census before, but if you're a Roman Catholic and you think you should be keeping Christmas in December because this is when Jesus was born, Catholic Encyclopedia says, quote, the census would have been impossible in winter. Now, if something is impossible, it means it didn't happen. And I agree with the Catholic Encyclopedia that no, uh, Jesus was not uh, born in December and, it's and the census did not happen then. Now, what about the original faith? Well, I'm going to read something else from the Catholic Encyclopedia. Christmas was not among the earliest festivals of the church. Now that's true. What festivals did they keep? They keep the biblical festivals. Well, what are those? Well, Passover, and you know most people profess Christ, uh, including uh, Protestants. 
realize that Jesus was our Passover lamb sacrificed for us. Uh, growing up Roman Catholic, and then for a time attending the Salem Bible Church, which is a, essentially a Protestant uh, group, I had no idea that early Christians kept Passover. Um, I heard about something called communion, or some version of that, or the Lord's Supper, but I actually didn't understand that this idea that early Christians kept Passover, but early Christians did. And, by the way, according to sources like uh, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, what they call Easter is supposed to be Passover, even though Easter is kept in the morning and is named after a pagan goddess, and Passover was kept at night, uh, they say it's the same thing, which of course it's not, but that's that's one of the claims. So anyway, early Christians, early festivals of the church, the true church included keeping Passover, and including keeping the Days of Eleven Bread. And if you look through uh, Catholic writings, they'll say Passover, yeah, that was an early one. They're not so hot on the Days of Eleven Bread, but sometimes they admit that it was kept. And then they also believe early Christians kept Pentecost, and to this day, the Greco-Roman Protestant churches do keep some version of Pentecost. Now, we don't believe that they have full knowledge of what it represents, but they do make some attempt to keep that. Now, they accept those as essentially early festivals of the, the church. But if you go through more Catholic writings, they will tell you that early Christians in places like uh, Jerusalem, for sure, were keeping other holy days such as the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, uh, the Feast of Tabernacles, and the Last Great Day. And this was going on for, for centuries. If it wasn't going on for centuries, there would not have been a council of uh, Laodicea in the late 4th century to condemn people for keeping such days, such as the Days of Leavened Bread, nor would John Chrysostom, uh, even later in the 4th century, uh, condemn people who profess Christ for keeping the Day of Atonement, Feast of Trumpets, and the Feast of Tabernacles. But those were the original days kept by the original Christians, and we in the Continuing Church of God keep them today. You know, I'm not going to go there, but if you go to Leviticus chapter 23, and you just read it, so these are the festivals, these are God's festivals, these are the Lord's festivals, and they are listed. You would think that people believe the Bible claim to believe the Bible. People who claim to believe the Bible actually say, let's look at the list there. But that's not how it goes. Now the Church of Rome does it a little bit different. Church of Rome basically says they have traditions in their church and that they believe that their, some of their leaders have been led by the Holy Spirit uh, put together what they call the living magisterium, which is tradition. Basically that there were unwritten things that the apostles passed on that in time, the Church of Rome figured out what they were, and they adopted them, or they're, they're led by God's Spirit to adopt them later. And that's basically that's basically what happened uh, for, for their holidays. If you look at a Roman Catholic calendar of festival and holidays, by the way, and I used to have one when I was uh, growing up, particularly when we went to Catholic school. I went to Catholic school for a couple of years, and if you had a calendar, pretty much every day was a festival to, to one uh, saint uh, or the other or something to do with Mary or 
they seemed like a lot of days had more than one festival on them. They, Church of Rome basically says, through tradition, they adopted them. There have been pronouncements uh, from popes. Uh, for example, the current pope has made, I think, two additional Marian holidays days uh, since he became since he became their uh, uh, pontiff. All right. And as far as uh, December 25th goes, uh, a lot of it has to do with uh, Emperor Constantine. Now, Emperor Constantine was a worshiper of the sun god. Uh, he supposedly was baptized on his deathbed just before he died. Uh, I think 331, 332. I should have looked at, remember his exact date of death, but I don't remember it precisely, but somewhere in that time frame. And he convened a council of Nicaea, declared that uh, church should be on, every weekly church should be on Sunday, and that Passover should be kept on Sunday. But I'd like to read something that the Catholic Encyclopedia writes about him. Catholic, excuse me, Catholic Encyclopedia says, Constantine the Great. Constantine can rightly claim the title of great, for he turned the history of the world into a new course and made Christianity the religion of the state. Well, he didn't quite do, do that. He did change the course of the world, and he uh, actually at first allowed for uh, Christians to not be persecuted, which was a good thing until his edict against heretics in 331. But officially, it was not until uh, uh, Emperor uh, Theodosius in 380 made uh, Roman Catholicism and Eastern Orthodox Catholicism the religion of the empire. All right, well, anyway, so here's more from the Catholic Encyclopedia. It's easy to understand that many of the emperors yielded to the delusion they could unite all their subjects in the adoration of one sun god who combined in himself the father god of the Christians and must much worshipped Mithras. Thus the empire could be founded on a new, on a new unity of religion. Again, you can go to the Catholic Encyclopedia, go to the article on uh, uh, Constantine the Great, and this is in there. Even Constantine cherished this mistaken belief. Could not Sol Deus Invictus, uh, the unconquerable son, to whom even Constantine dedicated his coins for a long time, and right after supposedly he allowed Christianity, Constantine still put the sun god on his coins, or Sol Mithras Dias Invictus, the unconquerable sun god Mithra, venerated by Diocletian, become the supreme god of the empire. Constantine must have, or may have pondered over this, nor had he absolutely rejected the thought, even after a miraculous event strongly influenced him in favor of what they claimed to be the god of the Christians. It is, tr it is true that believers of Mithras also observe Sunday as well as Christmas. Consequently, Constantine speaks not of the day of the Lord, but of the everlasting day of the sun. And it was from Constantine's influence that we started to see December 25th being picked up for Christmas. Now, I also want to read from the Catholic Encyclopedia. This time I'll read the article from the article on Mithraism. Mithraism is a pagan religion consisting mainly of the cult of the ancient Indo-Iranian sun god Mithra. It entered Europe from Asia Minor after Alexander the Great's conquest. 
spreading rapidly over the whole Roman Empire at the beginning of our era, reached its zenith during the 3rd century and vanished under repressive regulations of Theodosius at the end of the 4th century. That's because Theodosius said uh, basically there's going to be one religion, his religion, which he decided was his version of uh, the Catholic faith. Anyway, continuing here. Helios, which means son, Mithras, is one god. Sunday was kept in honor of Mithra, and the 16th of each month was sacred to him as mediator. The 25th of December was observed as his birthday, the Natalis Invicti, the rebirth of the winter sun, unconquered by the rigors of the season. And that's why December 25th became adopted. I'll read a few things about that now. The first recorded date of Christmas being celebrated on December 25th was in 336, during the time of Roman Emperor Constantine. Yeah, that must have been closer to when he died then. A few years later, Pope Julius I officially declared the birth of Jesus would be celebrated on the 25th of December. Now, some think that perhaps the eventual choice on December 25th was perhaps made in 273. Uh, but it says, Western Christians first celebrate Christmas on December 25th in 336, after Emperor Constantine had declared Christianity the, Emperor, the Empire's favored religion. Now, that's from Christianity Today, by the way, that I just read. So don't think I'm making this up from anti uh, Protestant sources or anti-Roman Catholic sources. I've been reading from most all the time, either from the Bible, Roman Catholic sources, or Protestant sources, and these are from people, generally speaking, who are in favor of people keeping Christmas. The Catholic Encyclopedia, the World Book Encyclopedia, excuse me, has the following. 354 A.D., Bishop Liberius of Rome ordered the people to celebrate on December 25th. He ordered them to keep the pagan holiday. He probably chose the day because the people of Rome already observed the Feast of Saturn, celebrating the birthday of the sun. And this is true. Now, I'm not going to read it, read it over, but I, looked, I saw this in my notes. Uh, and this is an article, by the way. We have an article on uh, what Roman Catholic scholars teach about Christmas. Roman Catholic teach about Christmas at the www.cogwriter.com website. That's C-O-G-W-R-I-T-E-R.com website. Anyway, one of the things that I got in there is this article I ran across trying to explain why it's possible December 25th could have been the birthday of Jesus. And I've seen various convoluted attempts to do this. Now, when you read them, they sound kind of reasonable. They try to put this in with this and say, conception was here, this was this, and all that. The problem is, as I mentioned before, even the Catholic Encyclopedia admits the idea of having a census in the winter is impossible. It did not happen. Therefore, you either believe the Word of God or you believe explanations that try to get around the Word of God but the reality is it wasn't possible. Something that's impossible did not happen. So don't fall for convoluted logic. And I know some of you who watch this are not in the Church of God and uh, you're going to get influenced by relatives or friends or whatever. And you, a lot of people make a lot of great sounding arguments. But if something was impossible, it didn't happen. 
The census was not in the winter, and the shepherds were not with the sheep at night, sleeping outside with their flocks at the end of December. Those things did not happen. This is just not, not possible. Um, there's a few other things I want to touch from the Catholic Encyclopedia about this. Uh, so this way you'll know, again, this is from uh, a source that endorses Christmas. Okay, Remember, it's their potiv who said people needed to do it in 354. Uh, anyway, here's what it says, uh, Christmas. Uh, Irenaeus and Tertullian admitted from their list of feasts. Ter- Origen, he's of Alexandria, Glancing perhaps at discreditable imperial natalitia, uh, said that sinners alone, not saints, celebrate their birthdays. And in the early fourth centuries, our Arnobius uh, ridiculed birthdays of the gods. So even Greco-Roman supporting writers from the let's say third and fourth centuries. They said, no, we don't keep birthdays. Uh, this is, we don't, particularly for the sun god, this is something we shouldn't be doing. And now, according to the Catholic Encyclopedia, the first evidence of Christmas uh, from Egypt, Alexandria, Egypt, was around uh, 200 AD. But this was kept uh, in, in May, not in December. Uh, let me read uh, something else in Catholic Encyclopedia. Natalis Invicti. The well-known solar feast, however, of Natalis Invicti, celebrated on December 25th, has a strong claim on the responsibility for our December date. For the history of the solar cult, its position, its position in the Roman Empire, and Syncretism with Mithraism, in other words, how they would kind of blend. Uh, This seems to be where it should come from because it says, How wonderfully acted providence that on the day which the Son was born, Christ should be born. So people started to declare that, even though it wasn't from the Bible, it was from uh, paganism. Another couple of things I guess I want to say, and I'll probably conclude talking about this, is one of the things about Christmas is to tell people about uh, about Santa Claus. And, you know, the Bible says you're not supposed to lie. But people will lie to their children about uh, Santa Claus. And they try to make Santa Claus sound like God. Okay? He knows uh, if you've been naughty or nice, and uh, so how would Santa Claus, who supposedly lives in the North Pole, know if everybody around the world is uh, naughty or nice? Well, only God would know that. Uh, or uh, what he let the demons or angels know, but certainly not some human. And even some of the Vatican are starting to realize this is a problem. Uh, of course, now shops and stuff, they like to have uh, Santa Claus around because they think it will get people to buy more gifts and presents for their kids. But let me read something from the Vatican. It says, 
Santa Claus Christmas trees have been condemned in an editorial in the Vatican Weekly newspaper. This is an Italian name. La Osservatori della Domenica. The editorial describes Santa Claus as a monstrous substitute for the Christ child. It says the idea of Santa is offensive to the faith and will not and must not be tolerated, accepted or tolerated by Christians. And I think Christians should not accept the idea that they should lie to their children because people, you lie to your children about Santa Claus, who's supposed to be a God-type figure, then maybe they won't believe what you have to say about God or anything else. Because once you start lying to your kids, kids don't know what you can believe. Anyway, continuing with this article, the use of Christmas trees, which have only recently become part of the Italian Christmas, is condemned as an attempt to substitute the crib with a certain feeling of naturalism and paganism. Now, this, what gets me about this is even though this is from a Vatican paper, my family and I have been in Rome around December 25th, uh, a couple of t- twice, I think, at least. And whether it was, we weren't actually at Vatican City on December 25th, but in that time frame, uh, we could do before or after. It's a huge Christmas tree in the Vatican. So they say this is a problem, but they still, they still do it. I want to uh, go to uh, Leviticus. I wasn't going to read it, but I do want to, I think the best way to close this would be to read a few passages uh, from the Old Testament. So let's go to Leviticus 23. And I want to read starting verse 2. So the feast of the Lord, or the eternal Yahweh, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, these are my feasts. So if you've got a Bible, look, or, look it up. Whatever translation, it's going to pretty much tell you something very similar. Six days of so work be done, the seventh day is the Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You should do no work on it. It's the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. So it starts off saying the Sabbath. If you read the Bible, you'll see in Genesis chapter 2, God worked, uh, had worked, uh, or rested on the seventh day after he worked it for prior six. And then continuing, it says, These are the feasts of the Lord, holy convocations which you shall proclaim at the appointed time. It starts off talking about the 14th day, his Passover, etc., etc. And you can keep reading uh, through these. In verse 44, it says, So uh, Moses declared to the children of Israel the feasts of the Lord. Now, the scripture that I want to leave you with, other than Jude 3, which is contend earnestly for the faith once for all delivered to the saints, is Deuteronomy 12, verse 32. In the word of God it says, Whatever I command you, be careful to observe it. You shall not add to it nor take away from it. Okay, Christmas was never one of the early holidays of the church. December 25th was not Jesus' birthday. It was observed for the sun god Mithra, and all the gift-giving, and a lot of these other things, and caroling, are all associated with paganism. God says don't do it. Believe the Word of God. This is Dr. Bob Teal for the Continuing Church of God.